2: Welcome to another Autocar Podcast. I'm Richard Lane, Deputy Road Test Editor, and I'm joined by our esteemed motorsport editor, Damian Smith. Now, today we're lucky enough to have with us somebody who surely has one of the most exciting jobs on the planet, at least if you're into very fast and very noisy cars, which we absolutely are. His name's Andreas Roos, and he's recently appointed head of BMW M Motorsport. We're going to discuss BMW's long overdue return to top-tier sports car racing, the latest GT3 programme and the fascinating complex world of homologation, which is where the road cars come in. But without further ado, welcome, Andreas, and thanks very much for joining us. And to get us started, just just tell us where the petrolhead journey began for you.
3: Thank you and uh, also welcome from my side. I'm I'm happy to join you in this podcast. So, yeah, where did I start? To be honest, Um, I started already very early, like uh, Mm -hmm. some kids, I started with uh, go-karting and uh, then was very interested in in motorsport and uh, I was lucky, Uh, a friend of my dad was already doing some motorsport privately and then I was there joining the races and uh, helping cleaning the car and the tires. And then at one stage I thought maybe this, this should be my profession at the end and uh, I was getting more and more into it and being at the racetracks and then I I started mechanical engineering and uh, said okay when I uh, want to be a, a race engineer I have to work in motorsport and do my, my mechanical engineering. I was lucky then already uh, during my time of my studies. I I started to work already in the professional motorsport. I started in in DTM already, I think in 2000 or 2001 at Team Rosberg at this time. And uh, then from there on, I went step to step. uh, Yeah, from first, let's say cleaning cars and washing tires, to helping out as a mechanic, data engineer, race engineer, technical director, and, and all of these things. So made my way up from let's say went to all steps in the, in the motorsport and uh, was then very happy at one stage to also be involved in the LMP1 times in uh, the good old times in in, uh, in the WEC championship from 2012 until 2016 with these prototype cars and uh, yeah then the opportunity came up to uh, join BMW a motorsport and, and uh, so since uh, February this year I'm head of the BMW M Motorsport and very very happy to to have this chance and to work with a fascinating brand like BMW in in the motorsport, which has a very great history. So very pleased about it.
2: So do you think it's possible, Andreas, to um, to be uh, top dog of a motorsport operation like BMW M if you haven't gone through the system, so to speak, and come in come in at the bottom and and have that real breadth of experience, or or, or is that quite unusual are are you unusual in that respect
3: Uh, I I would not say that that I am unusual because when you also look at at other uh, brands which are in motorsport or other big teams or where where you have uh, leaders they often went through let's say the the whole journey in in motorsport and at the end it really helps you because you understand basically the motorsport uh, from the bottom to the top and you, you have a good understanding for all the guys involved, for all the people at the racetrack, but also in the development. So it, it, I think it, it just makes my life easier to understand where the problems are and, and what you have to look for and then how you can can improve the the whole situation.
1: Andreas, your grounding in LMP1 is obviously going to be of use to you in the next big challenge facing BMW M with the exciting LMDH program that's coming up. We're all excited by this new era of sports car racing. Um, So many manufacturers coming in, BMW one of them. Could you tell us a little bit about why BMW decided at this time to come into sports car racing again at the highest level?
3: Uh, For sure, the the, the LMDH program or when the the LMDH class uh, was introduced, it was generally very interesting for a lot of manufacturers and and also for, for BMW and motorsport. Because, the, I mean, we, we know the old LMP1 times where quite high budgets were needed and there was a, a big fight between big OEMs to, to really uh, have the fastest prototype car. But now the regulation really changed and you, you can have, let's say, for, for a decent amount of budget, you can, can really be back in, in the World Endurance Championship and also in, in 24 hours of Le Mans and for sure this let's say cost efficient r- regulation but also combined with a with a hybrid technology which is now uh, especially in the in the transformation where we are on the road car sector with with going from combustion engine via um, hybrid cars into the fully electric this is basically uh, perfect for us also BMW in this transformation to to support let's say our road cars also with the on the motorsport side so this is for us a, a perfect fit to be at the end in, in the, the biggest championships like IMSA and WEC to be back in the in, in these championships with with the prototype and and be really on on two big platforms where we can showcase what BMW is, is able to do and and this just helps us to support our road cars and this is what we are aiming for.
1: It's a great opportunity for everyone here with these, this rulebook for the first time in years uh, bringing america and europe and together on the, on the same platform. Um, but obviously there's there's complications here. We were talking about this before we started recording. Two parallel rule books um, with the hypercars and this LMDH class. Um could you just explain a little bit about the differences between the two and why BMW chose the LMDH route?
3: Um First of all why why BMW uh, has chosen the LMDA route for sure it's um, as i said it's a very cost efficient uh, regulation but also very interesting for BMW is uh, the North American market and uh, especially the IMSA championship because BMW is selling uh, nearly 50% or BMW M is nearly selling 50% of the models to the North American market so to be part in the IMSA was was for sure from the beginning uh, one one important topic and and for sure the the IMSA is, is at the moment also very focused on, on the LMDH regulation, but as I said it's very cost efficient, and with one car and with with uh, this development also with the, the spec parts you can be really part in, in both both championships. With the, the LMH cars, which is the second class in the in the in the hypercars next to the LMDH cars, uh, for sure you have more freedom on the development side. Um, but um, for us it, it was more important let's say to to have really a regulation which is cost efficient still hybrid and be competitive in in the highest classes for sure it will be a challenge let's say to to balance out at the end these two different classes uh, of, of uh, cars, or not classes these two different concepts of of race cars but uh, there are already let's say a lot of uh, working groups and uh, a lot of clever people let's say from all sides, from the, the manufacturer side, from from the IMSA side, from the WEC side, ACO, FIA, all involved to, to really get this aligned, and I um, I think we are really on a, on a very good way to uh, to see at the end fantastic races, and that everybody is able to to win these races. So Andreas, just just tell
2: us a little bit more about this LMDH prototype. You, you you're building you obviously made the decision to enter an lmdh um car and join the program quite late uh firstly what still needs to happen between now and the debut in daytona in january and um as i say just tell us a little bit more about this car because it looks absolutely monstrous in the pictures and i think the liveries the official liveries coming out later this month and um, i think we're all very excited to see that
3: yeah, first of all, thank you very much that uh, you all liked the, our car. I think, uh, to be honest, the BMW M and also our design guys uh, um, did really a fantastic job to really see that, that this is a, a BMW. I think it's, it's very clear when you see the car on track or when you see the car on pictures that it's really a, a BMW. It is a very unique BMW face. So, there we are very happy. and and generally they they're often uh, nice cars, uh, hopefully often or often good uh, and quick cars. So so we are hoping that this will be also with with our car, that we not only have a car which looks good, which also be quick. Um, yeah, but uh, we we have chosen our our partner with uh, Dallara to to develop the car together with Dallara. and uh, we are very happy that, uh, with the work we we do together with Dallara. And um, then for sure on on our side is is, uh, also the the design work and the aerodynamics, but also the the drivetrain with our uh, V8 um, 4-liter twin-turbo engine, which we have chosen. So I think the combination in general is is very promising. Um, At the moment, uh, you saw already the car did already the first tests and uh, is now basically in the U.S. And uh, we start now all the testing in the U.S., we have a very, very tight time schedule until the first race in Daytona because uh, we count the days. I think from today it's 135 days because we count every day. Uh, so um, yeah, it's uh, very challenging, I would say. The development was already challenging. As you said, we we started or the decision was taken quite late for for, for BMW to join, but um, as I said, with a partner with Dallara, they they do really a a fantastic job there. And uh, our guys also are fully, fully motivated and uh, work flat out to to make it happen and to get the car on the road. So a big, big milestone was already having the rollout that the car is running the first time on track. We had already tests here in Europe. Now as I said, we we continue in the US and and we'll, we'll stay also in the US with the car to just um, make sure that we are best prepared for the IMSA championship.
1: You have um, some continuity, at least, um, with this new car, because of the the, the partner team, Rahul Lanagan Racing, who you have a long association with BMW through the, through the GT programme. Um, but this is such a championship to go into with Daytona and Sebring and all these really tough American circuits, deeply competitive, great driver lineups. Um, what are the expectations for that first year, do you think?
3: yeah for sure, um, everybody wants to to win races. And I think we we are for sure there. we We don't just want to compete. for sure we are there to to win races. So at the end, everybody wants to to win, and especially the big ones. But um, yeah, when you have such a tight time schedule and when you develop a car freshly and you for for sure you you can't expect that you will be uh, on the pole position or on the uh, uh, win the race directly in in from the beginning. For sure. We hope for it, and uh, for sure we we hope that uh, we we will be competitive to to fight for wins in the championship. and This must be clearly our goal. So so at the end, we we want to win races, win championships, and and be there on top, and and show that that we at BMW Motorsport uh, can build very fast uh, prototype race cars.
1: And and while you're racing in 2023 in America, you're obviously then um, uh, preparing for 2024. Big season coming into the World Endurance Championship, and of course that means a return to Le Mans. Now, I I was at Le Mans in '99 when BMW last won, or the the only time BMW won overall. Fantastic year with multiple manufacturers uh, involved, and a a huge kudos to BMW for that that win uh, all those years ago. Um, Can you give us some idea about the process you're going to be going through over the next year of preparing? For that campaign and obviously Le Mans isn't the only race but it is the focus, isn't it? It does tend to, to dominate.
3: For, sh- for sure Le Mans is is, is, a, is a big pineal event uh, where everybody wants to be on the podium and, and have the overall victory. So we have now the chance because we come exactly 25 years after the last victory or the victory of BMW come there so for sure the, the goal is to win exactly 25 years later. So, Maybe uh, very ambitious, but no, for sure we we also there in the, in the WEC in Le Mans. I mean, I I was in Le Mans several times. I'm I'm lucky that we also had the chance, or we had to be part of uh, some some wins also there. So this is for sure a great thing. But especially Le Mans, you you can't force to win there. It 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 will happen at at one stage. But you have to do and and get everything best prepared as you can. It's it's a very tough race. Especially when you have uh, multiple manufacturers there and not only one or two, um, this will be for sure very tough. So for sure, we, I have to say we are in a, in a very good situation that we can focus now in 2023 on the racing side, let's say on the two cars we run in the IMSA championship and then can fully concentrate also in parallel on the development and the preparation for the WEC championship. So. So for sure, this will start at one stage to, to run in parallel that we'll have the racing in the US and start the, the testing more in Europe for the WEC Championship. But also this will be quite demanding and uh, will be a lot of work to, to be best prepared at the end for, for the WEC Championship and especially for Le Mans.
1: And you obviously got a, another great partner team in Europe with WRT who are vastly experienced and have done very well in L&P2. Um, what, what are they going to bring to the, uh, the project, do you think?
3: Ah. For sure, WRT is a is a very uh, well known uh, racing team. I mean, they had uh, so many success in in GT racing and endurance racing, but also, as you says uh, said, uh, also now in uh, latest in in the prototype racing in the LMP2. I mean, they they came in the first year and uh, won the ELMS championship, the WEC championship, and had a victory in in Le Mans. So this showcase already how uh, competitive they can be uh, right away, and they. Um, this is why we we also looked for sure at, at different possibilities and, and different teams and and made a evaluation which could be our uh, best choice as a partner, and then at the end we we agreed together with WOT that uh, we want to be. Be part of this journey together to to be back in in uh, the WEC and to be back in in Le Mans, and um, I think uh, WRT brings there also a lot of experience as a team into this project, uh, which hopefully is at the end very fruitful. Together with the knowledge, let's say, from BMW and motorsport, together with the team, to uh, have the best racing on track.
1: And I've, I've got to bring up the the elephant in the room in a way that Ricky and I were talking about before uh, we came we came on air that. Balance performance is central to this whole new era. Uh, And without it, um, uh, all these manufacturers wouldn't be coming back to Le Mans and to sports car racing. But it is difficult, isn't it, in terms of managing um, uh, not only uh, balancing between the two, the the different LMDH uh, cars, but also the two different rule books. There's an awful lot for the officials to get right here and to get wrong. What's your feelings on balanced performance? And how confident are you that this is going to work?
3: Um... I mean, we are very confident that it will work because I think if we would not, or the, the other manufacturers also would not be uh, confident, I think nobody really would have joined it. So, so at the end, for sure, the POP is more or less uh, the base of this whole concept and whole structure of of uh, LMDH or, hy- or not only LMDH of hypercar racing, and. Um, this, uh, for sure, is, is as I said, is a great effort we have to put in uh, from, from all parties involved, from, uh, let's say, from the guys writing the rulebook up to the manufacturers and everybody. Um, it will not not be that easy, but uh, as I said, I think there are a lot of clever people involved, and uh, playing with open cards always helps, and, and then we are for sure able to to um, uh, find a, a proper way how we can can balance all these these cars, I think in the purely the LMDH cars is quite straightforward because the rulebook is very narrow and the concept is 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 for each manufacturer nearly the same. So this could be quite straightforward, and I think we will also manage to to find this let's say convergence between the the LMH and the LMDH cars that we have one hypercar class which uh, fits very well together and has the the same performance, let's say on track. But it's for sure a a, a challenge, but a challenge we we accept and everybody accepts and uh, where we are confident that uh, we will succeed.
2: Andreas, so you say the the LMDH rulebook is quite tight. I mean, are we going to see um, enough of the different characters um, of the different cars coming through during the course of a season? And... In regard to that, where do you think the strengths are for your package with the car?
3: Um, for sure, one of the, the the main focuses when you do endurance racing is for sure uh, reliability and drivability. That that for sure, the, when you want to do a twenty four hour race or twelve hour race, and um, a lot of our races are endurance races. Did you really have a, a car where the, the drivers feel comfortable and can easily do the lap times. Um, it's also that the mechanics can easily work on the car, it has to be reliable. And uh, I think this was also one of our main focus in the development phase, that, that we can develop a car there which has, let's say, everything what you need for, for endurance racing and for endurance car. And um, there, um, I think we are on a good way. And uh, now the the next uh, endurance test will will show if we uh, did it in the right way. If we already have the car in the window that it can uh, can do a 24 hour race, but I think we we are on the right way, and I'm quite confident with that we will get it managed. But at the end, as said, uh, the LMDH regulation is is on one side. It's it's very tight, let's say, in, in, in terms of where you can can move yourself in the performance. But on the other hand, it also leaves you a lot of freedom in terms of styling, how a car looks like. Because if you see also on the LMDH side how, how different the cars look, and, and uh, this also is very unique and very interesting to, to really see that you can give your car a, a face and, a, and unique styling that, that not every car looks looks exactly the same.
0: Andreas, I was talking
1: to one of your uh, arrivals recently, and he was saying that there's with this new era, there's kind of um, a responsibility for all the participants to to kind of get into the same frame frame of mind. And you know, obviously the, there's potential here for, for, for politics to become a part of um, a problem in, in this balance of performance, as as we've seen in the past in, in GTE. What what's your what's your thoughts about um, about that, about the the spirit of of this new era because that's kind of important isn't it yeah
3: uh what 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 i felt from the beginning uh when we when i was involved in in lmdh and it started already last year when when i was involved i felt immediately uh, a very good and unique spirit between all the the involved parties So. So we had a lot of meetings also in, in, in the run up until now, especially about the topics, uh, technical topics about BOP uh, convergence between LMH, LMDH for the hypercar class and, and things. And I, I always felt a very good spirit between all the manufacturers. And um, this, I, I, I think if we can keep this momentum, um, I think we, we are definitely on the right way. For sure, as always, as soon as the race starts, uh, everybody is fighting for himself, and everybody wants to to win a race, and and this is why we are here to to at the end win races and and showcase that we can have the the fastest uh, car and our fastest package. For sure, you have to be be careful um, uh, in 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 which way you you level this, but there is as a there is there is also a lot of responsibility on on yourself on the manufacturer himself to to really um, stick to let's say a line where we where we want to go and what we want to achieve. And what we can really feel in, in these whole uh, meetings and, and when you talk to the other manufacturers. That everybody is really interested and, and wants to, to get this hypercar thing running. They really everybody is looking forward to, to just get it running. And and then let's say see how it how it develops. But everybody feels that it's a great opportunity and a great chance to to get it done and to make something big happen.
1: Yeah, it's a really exciting time the build up to this uh, this new era, and so much as you say, it's so much opportunity here. Um, I've I've got to ask the Formula One question. I'm sorry, I know it's a uh, uh, always a pain to ask this one, but um, uh, no you know, problem. some of the you know your 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 German rivals, we've got. Uh, One of them very well established. uh, One of them coming in. One of them maybe not now. We'll we'll see what happens with the other one. But what's BMW's take on Formula One at the moment? We've got the new uh, regulations coming in for the engines in 2026. It looks like a good opportunity. We know how big Formula One is as as a marketing platform. What's the view?
3: So for for us at the moment, it, it's it's uh, definitely not on the on the plan to go go back to Formula One. I mean, BMW was already in in, in Formula One in in the past, but at the moment it, it's not on the radar. And and also, especially what I I said before, for us at the moment. Um, Showing our transformation, let's say from from uh, combustion engines via um, uh, high performance plug-in hybrids to the to electric world, let's say of of purely battery electric vehicles. Uh, there for us at the moment, um, from just from purely from the timeline and what we can showcase, the uh, hypercar class fits perfectly to us, and and this is why we we clearly committed to this and said this is where we want to go, and 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 this is let's say it is this this parallel line what we do in in motorsport and in in on the road car and then this is why we decided to to be on uh, in in LMDh uh, racing and I uh, said it fits perfectly and so at the moment formula 1 is not not on our radar
1: thank you for your patience on that one
3: <laughs> so no, Andreas no
2: just just moving away from from the hypercars for a moment i would really, I'd be really interested just to know a little bit more about how BMW M Motorsport manifests. Um, how many are you in terms of staff? Um, what, what's the split between engineers and, and and logistical staff and so on? Where are you spending most of your time? Are, are you in Garching? Obviously, the race cars themselves are built um, in the same workshops that the M division road cars uh, are sort of being developed and tweaked. Can you just, can you just shed some light on... On, on the world of, of BMW M Motorsport.
3: Yeah, um, for sure we um, we are in a lucky let's say situation um, that uh, the Motorsport department is also now again a part of the BMW M GmbH, where let's say uh, very fascinating and uh, emotional cars are built. Which race cars is normally then really the the top of it in in terms of emotion. So, so we are really happy that uh, we have this work together and. But this also uh, leads us to a point, we can't clearly say at the end how many people exactly work only for motorsport or only dedicated as we are now one group and one big family in the M. Um, So we we, we share basically also our tasks and and development uh, topics for sure. We have uh, some engineers, mechanics and and, and people which are only really 100% dedicated only to to motorsport and, and only do the motorsport things, but we have also so people who, who do a bit of both, and 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 there we also then share, let's say, this development, and also have this interaction between road cars and, and and race cars, which is at the end very fruitful for for both sides, and and this helps a lot to in in the development process, and this is at the end what we we also want from uh, as a manufacturer that not only there is an island where the motorsport sits it's more about uh, being a whole part of it and and there we have to say the motorsport fits perfectly into the mgmbh because there we we built the uh, let's say the the road legal race cars and um so as you also said we we built in the same workshop uh, in in garching we built the the gt3 race cars also the gt4 race cars will be built there uh, the LMDH cars, um, this we will we'll build at the team or at, at Dallara, so as this is only a, a handful of cars at the end, it's a, it's a pure prototype. And also our, our um, motorsport division is, is uh, not only sitting in Garching, uh, me for example, and, and a lot of people from, from BMW Motorsport, we are sitting close to the development center in, in, in Munich, and uh, so we have also there a good link. Um, yeah this just helps to, to use all the resources and everything what you have in a, in a big company like uh, like BMW and just just helps you to to get the best out of it.:
2: This bit of both engineering um, that you talk about fascinates me because that homologation handover has changed an awful lot in in you know the last three or four decades so if you go back to the days of the e30 m3 they really a pure homologation car and now now it's a lot more murky and we don't know how much of the road car say with the current m4 is informed by the race car and vice versa so how has how has the homologation process changed um over the last few decades as you see it
3: yeah, for sure. When you when you look back, exact, especially at the E30 M3, which was at the end a Group A car, where you had uh, strict regulations and and well had to be based really on a, on a road car, and you had to build this amount of models and and things like this. Um, the cars were much closer, let's say, to to a road car than some of our cars are now. When you look now at the LMbH car, I mean, as as from purely from the from the vision, how it looks like, it's a complete different car. It's not comparable to a road car, but on the other hand, for sure, you you have also areas and and topics uh, on the electronic side, or for example, also now with the hybrid system and software and strategy, where you also will find again in 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 our modern uh, road cars where there is now interaction. So so now. Depending on on which area you go. It's a bit different. For example, when you look at our uh, Total, uh, let's say range of uh, cars we build when we start with the the entry form with the M2 CS uh, racing, which is Yeah, like a like a road car But just with a roll cage and where you can go directly on the track and, and have a lot of fun And then you step up into the gt4 world which is already let's say coming much more race car but but still when you when you park the car next to a m4 competition you will clearly see that where where the base is from and and what this car is and um, and then you you move the next step up into gt3 Where you see already okay there were some done some some more changes let's say to the road car and uh, it looks a bit uh, more racy and uh, wider and then things like this so but you can still clearly see that it where the, the 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 base is from from the from the race car and this is also very important for us for for bmw to really also showcase what is possible with with our road cars and For sure, the the whole homologation process now also changed a lot, the pure process itself. Uh, In the past, uh, there was maybe, I don't know, a a few amount of parts uh, motorsport specific, the rest was all uh, um, at the end road car, and now there are a lot of uh, race car specific parts in the car, but everything is also much more, let's say, controlled and and checked by, by regulation uh, just to make sure that that uh, you get everything aligned and that nobody has somewhere an advantage and that you you get everything much closer. so I think the process I don't know maybe that the paperwork in the past were maybe uh, ten pages how now it's uh, one hundred pages. so I don't know exactly, but but it for sure the, the effort also increased a lot to to make sure that everything is according to regulation and to to keep the, the whole framework. Uh, closer together to to be really at the end uh, have good championships with very uh, different cars which are all competitive.
2: So, what are the toughest things to to homologate these days? Obviously, with the new um, M3 M4, you've got the S58 engine, which is essentially, um, but for but for some you know, ancillaries shared with the GT3 car. But um, what gives you the real headaches in terms of getting that stuff homologated?
3: at the end there is not not really any headaches because uh, this also uh, is quite well developed together with the authorities like for example the FIA or SAO or whatever because there are now clear rules where you can really read line by line and and know exactly what you have to do and and how at the end the, the car or the engine or the suspension or the aer- aerodynamic has to look like so there is a um, a very strict rule book, and for sure over the years, uh, all let's say these grey areas and loopholes were closed. So for sure, the, the rule books are getting thicker and thicker. But it also makes it for uh, yourself when you develop a car um, also a bit more straightforward because it's very well defined uh, what you are able to do and what you are allowed to do. For sure, some, some things um, where you're not sure, you can all, always openly discuss with the authorities in which direction you have to go and what you can do. So also, already in the development process, you're already aligning uh, with the authorities just to be sure that you are going in the right direction. You you don't Today, you don't just build a car and then put it there and say, now this is my race car, so this is not how you do it now. So it's more, let's say, that you have a constant exchange. And, and this we also had on in the development of our LMBH car. Too. We had a constant exchange to see in which direction we go. It started already very, very early, already with the, the first design sketches, uh, how the car could look like and, and that you have there always uh, and get the feedback and, and go forwards and backwards. And then, then you are sure at the end when your product is ready that you are, let's say, in the window where you have to be.
2: So if if you take the current GT3 field then, um, who are you looking at and quietly thinking, oh God, I wish I had that sort of base model to work with. You know, your Porsches, 911, Lamborghini, Huracan. It's very cool to race with a a mainstream coupe like the M4, but but you must look at some of the other base models and think, hmm, that might have been a bit easier for us.
3: Yeah, but generally we love challenges, so so <laughs> this this is why it's 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 very nice. At the end, for sure, um, our our base model is for sure not the same like a, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a Porsche. For sure, not. This, I mean, it's quite obvious to see. But for us, it's a very nice challenge. Let's say to uh, bring our car on the on the on the same grid and on the same performance level of all the other cars and. If we are honest, um, let's say on the road car sector, when you look at the M4 competition, its direct rival is a, is a 911 Porsche, and, and this there we are competing, let's say, on the road, and this is the same what we do in, in GT3 racing, and, and this is also there we want to showcase that that our car is a competitive car, and I think at the moment with the new M4 GT3, we showcase already uh, that the car is very competitive and, and, and can win races, so there was also put a lot of effort in the development. For sure, on, on, on some models, uh, some things are easier. Uh, but on the other hand, maybe also our car is on some areas an advantage over the other cars. So I, I think it's a, it's a give and take. But uh, for sure, um, it, it's for us nice to, to, to show that with, a, with a, maybe a, a bit other car, you can also be very competitive.
2: Yeah, I, I absolutely take your point on that. It's very cool to see see stuff like the M4 going wheel to wheel with with far more yeah. exotic machinery at the Nurburgring, and so on. So, on on that note, then do you um, you've obviously got these two two major programs at the moment? You've got GT3 and the hypercars. Do you think that actually the the GT3 program is more? important to to BMW in a broader sense than the hypercar program because obviously everything you do in motorsport has to feed into the business of selling M cars and um, just to your point I think that seeing m4 racing cars is is something quite special in the field they're in and they're more relatable to, um, to you know the man and woman in the street who's actually buying the cars so yeah which uh, w- which program do you think has has more of an impact on on BMW in, in the broader sense? Uh,
3: at the end, I think all the programs we do. We, we Also, don't forget about our GT4 car, where at the end, we, mm. we, we, we developed now a new car and uh, we already can can say that it's selling very well. So also, there is a very big interest in, in, in having our GT4 car, but for sure. The GT3 car, GT4 car, there, we have a. It's very road relevant, I would say, to to uh, how our race car and, and road car already look like, but also with the technology. But on the other hand, with a with a hypercar um, class, with with our LMDh, for sure, you are let's say running on a, in the biggest championship in the USA. You run in the World Championship in uh, in the WEC. So, for sure, there also the platform is is very unique and and uh, you have a yeah a lot of reach, let's say when you are running there. So I think at the end, both are very important and and it's it's a bit the same in that the higher the category is, the more important it gets in terms of 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 reach and where the people talk about. So so at the end, but we clearly put the focus on both uh, uh, more the or on the side, let's say more. Uh, how our road cars are to have the right direct connection road cars to race cars, like say like the GT4, GT3, but also the prototype. So there is on both is a is a big um, yeah we are is a big interest on 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 our side. So this is both very important for us.
1: I think we're nearly out of time, Andreas, but I've, I've got one last question just to put you on the spot a little bit here. You told us at the beginning, motor racing is your life. It's been your life all the way through. Um, can I ask you a personal question about your, this programme? IMSA in America, uh, the World Endurance Championship and Le Mans. Which, which one for you matters most?
3: Uh, I can tell you there are some, some big races which are very important and it starts when you just look at the calendar, it's Daytona, mm-hmm. it's Sebring, mm-hmm. and it's Le Mans. And at the end, when when you are a real uh, racing enthusiast, I mean, these are the the big races you 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 want to win and where you want to compete. And so, as there are two of them are in one championship, one is in the other championship, <laughs> I have to be I have to be fan of both championships. No, I mean I have to say both championships are really great for sure. US racing is something different than than let's say the European or the WEC championship, but it has both it, it are very competitive, both are different but uh, very competitive and at the end it's it's in both it's a pleasure to to compete there and to race there
2: hmm. all right andreas my my last question as well when you um look, the future of motorsport is is pretty uncertain at the moment um, we've got manufacturers looking at hydrogen there are various electric series and you know even with even with these LMDH cars like yours we've got 4 liter V8 hybrids when you look at something like an i4 coupe what do you think is, is there a gt racing car in there somewhere that you know gets you excited from 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 the position of BMW and motorsport boss or or does it just leave you a little bit cold
3: um, maybe it's not the uh, i4 but maybe in the future there there will will come something different we never know But for sure, the the topic electric racing uh, is is also a a very interesting and and, uh, important topic also for us. Because at the end, as I said, we are at the moment on the road car side. We are in a transformation to to really also get the high performance cars into this electric world. And uh, this is what we also do with with our race cars at the end. As I said, now we are in a a high performance plug-in hybrid or hybrid uh, car. Which we will also see on on the road, and clearly our goal is to to be also uh, in electric racing in in the, in the future to really be in parallel to to our road cars. This is the transformation we are going, in, and there is also no no secret about it that also this is a topic we clearly look into it.
2: Great, all right, Andy, Andreas, rather, thanks very much, uh, Demo. Thank you also. And um, Thank you very much, best of luck with, with all your upcoming programs. Thank you.